And welcome to episode 344 of the Siren Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my creepy and kooky co hosts, Peter and Jake. That's right, Kurt. Yeah, the, the snapping. Um, and as I, as I stand before you, bedecked in the finest satins, um, we pay tribute this week to the worst map, the worst world map. Uh, it's been circulating around on the internet, and um, it's a solid one out of ten. It's it's a powerful statement about geography in our world today. We've got we've got a, there's a lot going on with this map. We've got Texas in Canada. I should probably show this map. Yeah, um, see, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. Oh, it's like what map? We've got India underneath the Indian Ocean. Uh, Australia, correct. Surprisingly, New Zealand exists. That's that's the that's the redeeming factor here. But um, Russia does not exist. Instead, we have Asia. Paris is in Finland. South America is just South America. Yeah. And uh, New York is below Texas. Fire. Zoom in here. There you go. We also have, I, I think the the piece de resistance, um, is the Arctic Ocean, not the Arctic Ocean, but we have here the the Arctic Ocean. Arctic. I I will be it's honest. It. I have I have never been so lost. Oh, thank God, a link. Mm-hmm. Oh, give me the sneaky link. Oh, that's right, because you came in afterwards. You would have had the light. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, really throwing me the fuck off. Oh, we really shouldn't have shown him. Hmm. That was a mistake on your part, Peter. He should... Ironic that he would have to go looking for the map. Well, I Google searched worst global maps, hoping it would be, like, one of the top... (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like this came up. You know what? That's not that's not unfair. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of weird results, but uh, no, no. Let's see like what this. the worst world map is. Um, what, what Google? Says yeah, this is uh, definitely is. what happens when uh, Zoomers start uh, getting into graphic design for their their coffee shop. That's. Uh, I'm looking at the the first result for worst world map, and it looks like we got. Uh, all of North America and Greenland, uh, colored in as the the American flag. Hell yeah! Um, mm-hmm. Oh, you remember that timeline that almost diverged when Trump bought would have bought Greenland or was it Iceland? I think it was Greenland. Oh yeah, I remember he, tried he was that like, shit. "I want to buy it back from the Danish." I want to buy that. It's like it's right there, dude. It makes more sense for us to have it. <sighs> Man. We could have Alaska and and uh, Greenland could have been the. Uh, <laughs> so I've been thinking about joining up on I Truth like this Social. Map, <laughs> this map is perfect. I really miss my my dumper in chief, Donald Jonathan Trump. Um, the Donald. The Donald. Tennis clappers, Donald the Trump. Old man jowl. Thick, big thick dick, Donnie boy. You know he gets. 
40 love handles. Man, you got, got all of those beauty pageant contestants. Right at the ripe age of 16, too. What a lucky dude, man. <laughs> and we're... And that's Thankfully, it's not where we are today. <laughs> I don't fucking know where... Oh, no, we're well past wherever we were supposed to be. <laughs> we are. By this point. We are on our way to a state <laughs> penitentiary. Really- that's where we're coming at you live. The uh, back of this van is, uh, is, is bumpy, and boy, do these shackles hurt. As we are, uh, you know, thanks for uh, offering up Adam's Family 1991 uh, for the week that I decided to start binging Wednesday on Netflix. This episode brought to you by it's all... Netflix. Uh, I mean, yeah, that is where I watched they're, it. So they're not dying; they're totally still viable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For a little while, definitely longer. won't run out of people on the face of this earth to get subscription things too and uh boy can't wait for those ads am i right they just start doing the pyramid scheme model hey want to join my cult netflix we have t-shirts every week we take some punch like you can get a double subscription so you can watch double the movies at the same time so you can allow you get a double subscription so then you unlock password sharing to one other household (laughs) (laughs) 2024 oh, drop and then yeah, they enforce that yeah, it, yeah and then you can with that you can watch more than one trailer but uh until that time we've unlocked the secret we've cracked the code we can watch multiple trailers a week and that's why we bring this service to you we can in in tray watch i sometimes question whether or not we should well, what are the people going to do at home? Sit through three minutes of ads because we're the only one with YouTube Premium? And then watch <laughs> a two-minute mini-movie about Christian Bale and doing some bullshit? Or, you know, Jonah Hill putting out another great comedy with uh, Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murphy, who's not owning a or touring a haunted house? Like, come on. I really don't know what to do with that. I'm just spitballing everything. <laughs> I, think, I think we got to talk about you people. Okay. Well, uh, I gave you two toss ups Robert Downey Jr. GIF. Um, you people is a uh, comedy featuring Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy. And the uh, teaser for this uh, had Jonah Hill making a uh, fool of himself in front of Eddie Murphy, who's playing the dad of the love interest. Might I add, Mm -hmm. Eddie Murphy looking like a fucking goddamn snack over here with his turtleneck, just going to show that turtlenecks, long they may live, long may they reign. Man, he ain't Steve Jobs. He's John Career. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like that's what he's out here. Looking he's for. one. He's one shoeless man, shoeless uh, epiphany away from being Steve Jobs. You know, maybe get him some uh, toe socks and some. What are they? Vibrams. What? Oh, the little toe, toe shoes. shoes. Yeah. I oh, I okay. have a pair of those somewhere. There are house. also toe socks. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. I know about. I know of the existence of both these things. I did not know that they had a name apart from toe shoes. 
I I'll need to find mine. <laughs> no, they'll walk out on I don't their own. I want to see those piglies. I want you to post those onto uh, Wiki Feet. Little ground twiddlers. Those fucking grippers, dude. Give me them for free, or I'll pay a premium. I don't care. The old people pods. So Jonah Hill <laughs> and the director Kenya Barris wrote this movie. Um, I, I don't know. To believe that this whole movie takes place in this one location. It's I would just love a, that. Actually, it's just a one and a half hour like dialogue movie. It's it's really like high art. They just decided to go the full nine yards with it, and and the full the people in the yards. background are like consistently like animated, like they're they're moving around, like they're having their own little thing, and there's a little story with mm-hmm. them too. It's got a it's got a pretty uh, strong looking cast. Uh, Jonah Hill, uh, Lauren London, joined Eddie Murphy, Nia Long, Julia Louis Dreyfus, and David uh, Duchevery. I really hoped you said David. Dave Batista. We all hoped. He's just he'll just he just shows up in movies. Like, oh, oh, it's Dave Batista. Mission Impossible Seven. And oh oh uh, there's Dave. He's not even on the building. He just walked on set. Huh? He's Batista <laughs> you've heard of photo bombing. This is this is what Batista bombing is. <laughs> yes. It has no other no don't say that, that in a crowded airport trust me <laughs> um all right where we go from here <laughs> we can go any any number of ways we there are infinity ways we can go okay so we'll just go into the infinity pool this is the <laughs> you know the scary horror adaptation of the famous pool yeah, this is a weird fucking name for this movie. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> Did they not know? I, I was really hoping it was. Uh, he's just stuck in an infinity pool, and that's the whole movie. He just keeps swimming. He's got to get out. But uh, no, this is, um, this is. You know, if A twenty four has a style, the neon pictures definitely also has a style, and this is, this is that. Yeah. It's uh fucking weird. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of imagery going on here and uh motifs. Um I think also I spotted a theme here and there. Uh yeah, I don't know what the fuck happened this trailer. They shot to him. Is he getting cloned? Is he go to yes. Russia, so... get cloned? Maybe he's like you know how people go to like Turkey for hair plugs? Maybe this guy's going for a clone to Russia. He got off like a like a like a back back alley pamphlet. He went to see the uh, he went to see Jordan Peterson's doctor. Yeah, <laughs> he's just get to that cloning. He's treatment. just he's on keto. That's all. <laughs> he had to go to Russia to to get onto keto, get his cholesterol checked. Um, mm-hmm. So it's uh it it's Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth, um, and I don't know who the fuck Cleopatra Coleman is, but she's also in this. I've heard of Mia Goth. Mm-hmm. I know the Skarsgård name. Uh, she was in X, I think, oh. or uh, the other one, Pearl. Oh, gotcha. Um, so Skarsgård, the, the Skarsgård family are just dripping with talent. So uh, 
great to see him in here, I guess. I we'll see. He's, well, he's I mean, they come from good stocks. Garsgar was a very uh, robust, dilapidated boat. I was going to say, they really grow well in Scar's Garden. Um, yeah, the premise of this is like, so remember that one episode of like um, Star Trek TNG where like everything, they had like the perfect society because anything was like punishable by death. Like if you stepped in the garden, they were like, we're going to kill you now. Um, that was like an early episode of TNG. And so this is that except you can pay like $20,000 to make a clone that dies for you. I assume that's the actual that's the industry of this little island. Tourism and a little a little little suicide, you know, catch catch your own death for for a few extra bucks that's the premium service. Um, Certainly gleaned a lot more from that than I did. Yeah, that's uh, it's a little bit in the description too, but oh, okay, um, <laughs> I see. yeah. Um, I'll also say so. This is Mia Goth in another horror film because she, she was in Pearl. Yeah, so I she's starting to <laughs> she's starting to break. She's breaking in. She's breaking into the mainstream like this. She's debuting. She's debuting, and. She's ready to just, just scare the pants off. If all, I had the ambition, all little to, Americans at home. If I had the ambition to do that edit, I would, I would like have the instant replay of me saying that Pia Goff was in Pearl, and then four minutes later, Peter being like, "Yeah, this Pia Goff, she was in Pearl." I hear. <laughs> but guys, there's this movie she was in. Uh, oh that wait, was, was this for wait, me? Was that was directed? almost as good as Rick James. On the Chappelle show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was direct, and this was directed by Brandon Cronenberg. Yes, it's <laughs> Baby Cronenberg. Oh wow, <laughs> he's gonna get Cronenberg. Oh no, he he's done a couple other things. I don't I don't think they reviewed well. Mm-hmm. He looks. Was it him who did Crimes of the Future? No, that was I David. think that was David. Okay, uh, is that his right. papa? I believe Daddy so. Berg. How how many Cronenbergs could there be? He looks young. Movie? He looks like he's a <laughs> he's a son, son of Cronenberg. He, he is David Cronenberg's son, yeah. yeah, and Caitlin Cronenberg's brother. Well, oh, is she a director too? <laughs> I I don't know, but that were they that... were they were they just one person who just underwent mitosis a couple times. It wouldn't surprise oh, me. Oh, his Cronenberg. mother is oh, Carolyn. Possessor. That that was the other movie that he did recently. His mother is Carolyn Cronenberg. Oh, oh. and cousin I to see another Aaron Woodley. Yeah. Okay, well that's that. That's just the black sheep of the family. Yeah, no Cronenberg. She's a cinematographer. Not... God, what? What is his nepotism? What the fuck? Producer. Wait till you find out that they... Nick. Nick Cage there is actually one... Francis Coppola's nephew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm telling you, it was one primordial Cronenberg. They got the, he had his genes spliced and he became unstable. And his split. essence diffused out of the Cronenbobble. Is that is that how he got <laughs> Is that how he got a lot of the uh, inspiration for some of his movies? Like he just looked back at his family lineage. It's yeah. It's, I mean, they say a lot of film is autobiographical. Yeah. That's true. You see a lot of the director in in the movies they make. 
In it's, some cases, literally, like Tarantino and Hitchcock. Oh, just put just put them in anywhere. Um, what? Which? Where, where do we want to go? Do we want to talk about? Let's just talk. Let's just talk about champions. Let's talk about champions. Champions. It's a Woody Harrelson movie. Features features that actor. Uh, the the woodiest of Harrelsons. Yeah, he's not doing any zombie yeah. stuff, which is sad. I thought he was going to be typecast. I thought it was going to be another zombie movie, maybe about um, you know, champion basketball zombie team goes from uh, the streets to the NBA and really makes it big. Um, but no, this is just normal. It's the feel good zombie movie of the yeah, year. This is just normal. I'm a coach and I'm. I mean, he's kind of coaching See, zombies. <laughs> I I I count I count on you for these ones, Jake. Yeah, you always like... deliver. You really <laughs> you bring it in from. I downtown. really thought there was just gonna be one, and then I saw they travel in herds. <laughs> it's that pack mentality that really keeps them up. See, I'd make I I just I don't have any clever jokes. Well, if they stray too far from the herd, the lions get to them. Can't have that. They want to protect the youth. Um, yeah, this is this movie walks uh walks in it willingly walks an interesting line. Previously walked uh not very deftly by the ringer. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, in case anybody had any uh, questions about what I was um getting at. Woody Harrelson is the uh, coach. Uh, he becomes, I guess he's a good coach, NBA, and then, or maybe not NBA, but, you know, pretty good coach. And then he gets demoted in some fashion to uh, coaching a bunch of um, mentally handicapped youth. Mm-hmm. Um, most of which seem like they have Down the first... syndrome. Yes, this feels like the first American movie or at least big mainstream american movie i've seen with with down syndrome actors i know there was the infamous uh detective downs in in sweden um where where the main where the uh, main actor was he was a detective with down syndrome and it was just just creativity 100 creativity on the naming there um, apparently this is based on a Spanish film. So, okay. um, we're not, uh, we're not as progressive as the Spaniards, it would seem. They've, they've grown up a lot since their days of conquistadoring. I still think the first big movie. To, and inquisiting. The, I think the first big movie to ever break into this, uh, territory was True Confessions. Uh, which was a 2002 Disney Channel original movie starring Shia LaBeouf. A GCOM. Where, uh, oh, oh, please don't tell me Shia decided to, he wanted to get into character. Shia Method Act. I don't know if he Method Act, but he acted out a um, mentally handicapped kid. Um, didn't appear to be like Down syndrome, just looked like a learning disability or like super severe autism. Uh, Asperger's, if you will. I don't know if that's the current terminology for it. 
But <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what the DS now DSNM we're, now we're is. <laughs> it's one one of those DSMs, one through five. Yeah. It's in there. Um, now we're we're riffing on this shit, but I am I am honestly glad that they're getting I what I who I assume are actors with with these actual conditions rather than um John Travolta in Fanatic. Peter, right? we don't know <laughs> he that was, his character I, just eccentric, dude. <laughs> had any disabilities. That is very harsh of you to assume that. Moose, you know, what? You know maybe, he fed himself. He, he closed I, himself. Just reading into him, you know, Poppy <laughs> yelling poppycock in the bathroom. <laughs> Want to be an English Bobby? <laughs> poppycock. Poppycock. It, it's a perfectly rational belief to, you know, believe you can just break into your celebrity hey. idol's house and that. <laughs> there'd be no consequences to it. I yeah, you know what? That was pretty rude of me to interpret. He's he's Fred actually Gert's artistic vision, and he's physically disabled now because he gets stabbed in the eye. You know, he right, would, so he gets to be, he gets to I, be a pirate. You, you doubly gotta feel bad on that one. You took two L's there. He was just following in the footsteps of his great predecessors, um, uh, in the, in the Gilbert uh, Gilbert Grapes. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, did one. Uh, I'm trying to think. Robert De Niro did one as well. In Rain Man, he played a uh, mentally handicapped person of some sort, but they were more like Dustin Hoffman was in Rain Dustin Man. Dustin Hoffman, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, not DiCap, not not. Jake, that was that was my level. That was, that was. I know how you. I mean, it's so easy to confuse Robert De Niro and Dustin Hoffman. I've literally there. never They're so seen similar. fucking Rain Man. I just think I've seen the fucking scene where he's in the car and the goddamn toothpick scene. So, Dustin Hoffman, De Niro might as well be the same goddamn person. I don't know. Meet the fuckers. Meet the Aspergers. Okay. As far as I know, same thing. But yeah, like to Peter's point, there has been a very big trend where I think they've also not only like have uh you know had able-bodied actors play these roles but also like very toned down like mental disabilities um like to where they're not like it, you're comfortable watching it like I think a lot of people might feel uncomfortable watching um these kids with with down syndrome act and get yeah, like I've... act abused or act uh you know, a certain way to where you're like, oh, if I was in that situation, I would be like, oh, let me help him. Let me save him. Like, do whatever. But this, like, with Woody Harrelson, he's, like, you know, kind of uh, putting him through the ringer of, of getting them ready for basketball, which might not be the easiest thing. Yeah, I think this is a, a one of the situations where, um, you know, yes, they're actors, and you can cast an actor who's not a thing to play a different thing. But... It's it feels feels a little icky when someone who does not have Down syndrome plays they that they have Down syndrome. Try it, yeah. Sure. It just it it feels a little mean spirited. Well, especially just in, in in principle, not 
the performance necessarily. Especially when there are actors. I mean, I could maybe understand back. Uh, I'm not to say that Rain Man or or what's eating Gilbert Grapes was back then, but you know, early 2000s, mid 90s, uh, you probably didn't have as many uh, actors with Down syndrome or uh, mentally disabled or mentally impaired uh, actors that are around. Now they're mentally impaired mm-hmm. in other ways. Through alcoholism and age. Talking about our, our good boy Ezra. <laughs> He's one of them. Our He's special one of, friend Ezra. One of many. <laughs> one of many. He start he started as the flash and then his brain started going too him, fast. Him, the the yay, the yayster, yayed off. <laughs> Yeah, I would just just replace Ye with one of these guys. Give him just give one of these guys rap career. Yeah, got it. <laughs> Sell out MSG. No problem. No, sorry. I miss the once old all the celebrities Kanye. are gone. <laughs> but he made graduation, we... guys. He made graduation. <laughs> I mean, the man needs help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, he's clearly unwell. what happens when we we lose everyone like him? It'll just be the last of us by HBO Max. Trailer number one. Yes, uh, we did have. We that had was an the, awful. Uh, that was an awful segue. Kids. It doesn't matter. It got us there, and uh, uh, I'm hyped for this. So yeah, we got a teaser beforehand. Um, and now we got like a full-fledged trailer, seeing more of the actors um, and actresses that are in it, and kind of what the story beats are going to be. Even though anybody who's played the game has <laughs> it's just figured out that this is going to be pretty much the game in movie form. Uh, they, they did add a couple new characters. Um, yeah. Which I don't know if that's yeah. for exposition purposes. Maybe it's like a one-shot one, like throw them in there to do whatever. Give it a little, just a little variety so people, because like the the game in itself is a pretty cohesive all the way through narrative experience. So if I'm remembering correctly. Might be, might be an added value type thing. Yeah, it, it could be just because it's not like to make it not the whole thing about just um, Ellie and, um, oh gosh, why am I? Well, that's kind of what made the game story so great is that it was about the relationship between those two characters. Yeah, but I think they were just... The story itself in Last of Us is about as bog standard as it can possibly be, yeah. but the relationship between Joel and Ellie was extremely well done. Oh, that and, and the that's gameplay what made it was, a memorable experience. The gameplay was pretty sound. Um, the gameplay was every cover third-person shooter you've ever played. I mean, the, the shooting took a background to like the puzzle-solving and traversal of the, the environment. Which yeah, is, it means on... Which is what... It was Uncharted. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, but back then we didn't have like 20 games that did the same thing. We had a few games. It that was 2013 when it came out, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> they had made three Uncharted games and like five Gears of War. <laughs> I don't count Gears of War. Because Gears, Gears of War is more, um, I know, third person, but it's more of like a the shoot 'em up, like Halo style. Um, they they had five Gears of War, but they never had Gears of War neutral or reverse. 
God or, damn. or Gears of War parking brake. Parking brake of war. Yeah, it's from the director of Chernobyl, um, or creator. Um, so, you know, it's got good pedigree behind it. It's also covered in deadly radiation. Yeah, I... I I think it can be fine. I don't... I don't get, like, uh... Halo level, oh no, vibes. I mean, we got that from Um, the trailer. Like, that was pretty clear from the get-go that it wasn't going to be your game game style show. Uh, This mm -hmm. is... Yeah, every scene we, we, I mean, there are scenes that are directly ripped out of the games um, to the point where it's like Ellie and her friend doing the photo booth stuff or um, running through the city in the beginning of the game. Or Joel, that's his name. Joel and El, uh, his daughter, Sarah, uh, trying to escape the town. Um, them about to leave. I forgot what they're leaving out of. Was it DC? They had to go uh, coast to coast. Boston, maybe? I thought they were on the west, making their way east. Weren't they oh, in California I, going up to Washington? I thought. No, I'm sorry, that's Zombieland. Um, that's. <laughs> I think it's, I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was Boston. Yeah, because I remember they're in like a museum, and they do some. And the the whole winter section is in like the Wyoming the west. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then they make their way up to like. Either. And they go to Seattle at the end, yep. right? Yeah, they were going to Seattle. Yeah. I that I knew they were heading to Washington. Um, but it's been a minute since I've played it. I think mm. I think that maybe they'll focus a little bit um, on like maybe the past a little bit, which we'll get a little bit more in this, like fleshed out instead of just like maybe the the beginning part of the game. Uh, we see the little interesting. Uh, we see the uh, voice actor for Ellie. Um, is actually Sarah's mom in this, or maybe Ellie's mom, I guess. I don't know. Fuck it. Anyways, um, Ashley Johnson is, is in this, and then also the voice actor for Joel from the game is also has a has a role Wait, in here. Wait, was Ellie not played by Elliot Page? No. They took no. the... The motion. The motion, maybe, okay. from Elliot Page? I think. I don't even. I think actually no. I think um, I think Ashley Johnson uh, did the mocap oh. and the voice. Maybe I was thinking of. Was I thinking of like Beyond Two Souls? Um, Elliot Page Cage was project. in. Um. God fuck! What game was it? I want to say it was like Detroit Become Human or something like that. I think like it was that. Beyond Two Souls. It'd be on two cells, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Wait, when it yeah. came out, um, Naughty Dog got a little bit of heat because they were like, came out the same year. Did you model like Ellie after Elliot? Like, it looks really sus. Well, she herself complained about it. Yeah. Um, back when, or he, what? Mm-hmm. You know what I meant. At the time the article was written. Congratulations, Kurt. You got yourself canceled. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Dude, I would have been canceled like five years ago. <laughs> I don't think I don't think people care as much anymore, to be quite honest. Anyone listened to this show? Um, 
Yeah. So Beyond Two Souls came out the same year, and then there was the controversy about uh, uh, stealing their likeness. Oh, okay. It is kind of sus, though. Like, oh, yeah. Be- oh, shit. I mean, yeah, Beyond Two Souls is like. They have a very. That is. Generic looking face, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, maybe it's just good. Maybe they should be flattered. It's good for video games. You know, easy to model. You have you have a low poly face. <laughs> wow, got that got that nice. Uh, what is it? Seven twenty p. Got that beautiful seven twenty p look. Uh, wow, way to go, Pinterest! You're canceled. You still have him labeled as Ellen. Fuck you. Dead to me, Pinterest. Uh- just like it's Elliot DeGeneres. People are dead much. in the pale blue eye. Um, right. We have a, a full trailer for this now. Uh, the teaser was plenty long and contained plenty of the same scenes, so I don't know what the purpose of this is. Uh, I get the plot of it now. Yeah, Christian Bale is a uh, investigator, and he is investigating a uh, occult string stuff. of. Bizarre murders among a uh, group of cadets, and it turns out there's some occult shit going on, and he's going to do some accent, can't quite sure what exactly uh, the voice is supposed to be, but it sure is what he's going with. I sure would love them to just like pull out some Lovecraftian horror elements. Well, this is an Edgar Allan Poe story. I really want him to fight a a big eye. I want, like, he he gets a little, he's got to stab it in in the big eye. A beholder. Yeah. For what you wish for. Oh, see, I want, now I want this just to turn to schlock, where it's like a platoon of West Coast, uh, uh, West West Point uh, cadets, all just, like, firing volleys at a beholder. (laughs) And then it's just shooting screw, out. Death screw rays. all this detective nonsense. Man, boulders are cool. What if they were real? I like they're a gate. <laughs> We'd all be screwed, like immensely. I think so. Yeah, I don't want anything from the D and D manual to be in real life. Like kobolds, maybe. You don't want to. You don't want to tarask, just like tromping around. Downtown Albany. Can't say as though I do. Can't no, say. no, no Tarrasque. Maybe, maybe a nice false Hydra. Maybe, although that could exist right now, and no one would. I know. would love. That's true. I would love me a flump. You know. Also, I haven't opened okay, a lot. I could of, go with the flump. I haven't opened a lot of uh, treasure chests, so I guess mimics are, are possibly out there. <laughs> the jury's still out on that one. <laughs> what if, like, oh, see, that's the new. That's the new twist is mimics like they went digital so you open your loot box in Fortnite, and it like eats your character <laughs> oh my that's god that'd be so great a million dollar idea for a movie dude if fucking Fortnite ever does a a cross with uh D D, they should totally have one in every 16 loot boxes be a mimic <laughs> and you lose items. And you, you just see it eat your money. Oh, I fucking love it. If you if you die against it, you, it puts you into a mini game, and you have to you have to uh, hit a 
hit a big giant D twenty on the map to do damage. <laughs> yeah, funny. I'd be down for it. Epic. I expect my checks on the first and the fifteenth. Yep. Uh, otherwise, we're going to be the mean one. Collectively, we will be a mean one. Um, it's here, it's, and it's uh, what you expect, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's not they 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 they. they are really tune everything in with like one degree off. So it's Newville. Right. And they're, they're the new villains, the new villains. The news. <laughs> the news. All the little news um, in Newville. That's. Man, I can't wait. All these horror Christmas movies are getting me really jazzed. Yeah, it used to be like a once in a while thing, but now it seems like every year there's at least one. Yeah. And I mean it is absolutely as cheesy, like you said, Kurt, as cheesy as you thought. Like I pe- I mean people know that like I guess the schlocky bad Christmas movie is is a it's an avenue now. It's a money making avenue, but you might when find when she says the line, "Let's roast this beast," yeah. you know, my yeah. heart, like my my ball shrank three sizes that day. Sometimes they just hang the lampshade a little too much, and you're like, "No, I don't get the sense that you really tried your best here." And that's yeah. that's when a bad movie is great. That's why I didn't like Velocipaster. They were trying to make a bad movie. Like the the joy of the bad movie comes from the Schadenfreude of knowing that someone put their hard work, passion, and energy and tried their best and failed spectacularly. Their guns are wrapped up like candy canes. Mm-hmm. Either so, either they inject adrenaline directly into the mean one's heart, so it it explodes, it grows, or they kick it off the top of that that mountain. I think they uh, they load up a roast beef full of ivermectin, and it just enlarges his heart. <laughs> Dope. Mega megacardia. Yeah. Oh, man, uh, this is this is one I I might go see. I don't know if it's getting a theatrical release. It is has it? to. Come on. Let me see. You're right. If Terrifier opens in theaters December 9th uh, tomorrow, well, I, kids. I suppose if Terrifier two can make fifty million, it, theaters. it literally is the it's uh, Terrifier 2's David Howard Thornton plays the ti- the titular Green Meanie. Mm. Oh my God! Uh, the the main character Cindy is Cindy. You know who? I I, I wish it's, I could make this stuff up. It's amazing. Just just gliding the balls on the copyright. Notice. It really makes you wonder, like, just. why why now? Because like, I think if they were gonna if they were gonna skirt copyright in this manner, what what stopped them for so long? I think they are one hundred percent using this as a follow up to the Winnie the Pooh uh, movie, which that which hasn't that come had, out yet. Yeah. That comes out a, in February. Oh my god! 
Why did they start advertising so early? To get that hype up there, man. Come on. Because someone pushed out an article about it, and then everyone's like, well, this I gotta fucking see. And so they put out a trailer. You remember the trailer? There was, like, nothing in it. They probably not even done filming by the time the trailer yeah. came out. <laughs> Did we we may have talked about this, but I know this is kind of digging up old news. Um, I I understand that the Legend of the White Dragon is still like going to come out. Oh, some, I think I heard. Yeah, that that's what I I heard that as well. Well, I know. I don't. Re- I don't know for sure that it's coming out. It probably is coming out now, because people. I I get the sense that this would, the recent events may have uh, afforded a great fundraising opportunity for some of the people involved with the movie, or at least you know given them confidence that they could recoup what they would mm-hmm. would have out of it. But yeah, it will be. Uh, Jason David Frank's last credited role ever. Yeah. Um, there was a, a trailer that was... I, I don't know if this is an old trailer, so it might be old. It is having a 2023 date on it, and then uh, it was released 11 days ago. So I don't I don't know if this was released after that because they're moving forward with it, or if somebody yeah, just Yeah, this is the same... It. This is the same trailer yeah. that uh, we watched months ago. Okay, all right. Long, long time Years ago. even at Ye- this point? I think, I think probably years, to be quite honest. Because I remember... Yeah, yeah, I do remember this. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the beginning part. It's an oldie. Yeah, we've been we've been watching, watching out for that one for a while now. <laughs> oh, God damn it. It's got King Bach in it. Jesus Christ. Oh boy, I I will I will see this opening night when it comes out because it will come out. I'm manifesting this at some <laughs> point. Oh yeah, the secret. He's, Jake's using the secret. I'm using the secret. <laughs> I'm talking about it. I'm manifesting it, I'm making it come true. It's gonna be reality for me. I'm putting on my vision board. It's gonna <laughs> happen. Ah, uh, self help books. Can apparently hey. become movies now. Welcome to Year of Our Lord 2022 and The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. A, uh, what a better title for, for this movie. Self-help book that I have read, actually. Um, it's all right as far as self-help books go. Um, mm-hmm. Is being made into a movie. Never once while reading the book did I think, hey... This would work as a movie. This has a good narrative to it. Uh, but uh, they they got here we are. They got Mark Manson the offer to to star in the movie. Um, there's a director. <laughs> it's it's certainly a certainly a thing. It and seems uh, to be qualifying as a movie on on the most technical of levels. Uh, ironically. It has a good trailer because I still don't know what goes on. <laughs> yeah, Nathan yeah. Price is the um, is the director. So let's see what else he's done. <clears throat> oh, not much. Wow. They uh, they did use that. tub thumping by Chumbawamba 
uh, which a fits lot. in which fits in fine with the the 90s month we got going on here at the show. So points points for that. Yeah, this guy's done like very little stuff. Good Times and Bad, The Hot House, The Insider's Guide to Love, uh, two TV series and a short. Riveting. He sounds, sounds like... like a friend of the author. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could be. Could be. Uh, yeah. I think that's. Uh, yeah. That's that, and uh, yeah, I think think that's good. I think that's trailers. I think that's that's trailers. There there are a couple other we could have talked about, but no, those were in fact trailers. When trailers grow up, they become little. They become tiny little movies that just break out into these big things called Mm -hmm. theaters, and that's where we get into the follow up. Yep. Yeah. See how That's our children follow have grown. Up. Our little, our little cinematic spores. Yep. Let's take first. a look at them. See how they run. In first place for the special Qatar World Cup post Thanksgiving weekend <laughs> box office, covering the second through the fourth of December, weekend forty-eight. There are just four more weeks in this year. Actually. Oh Three, because the week we we just went through one of them basically. Oh my god! Crazy, crazy how that works. <laughs> um, yeah, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever remains in the top spot, but down a whole big chunk, sixty-one out of six, uh, sixty-one point five percent down, and out of four hundred thirty-five theaters. And uh, Avatar is coming out next week, I think. So yep. that's another thing that they're gonna Everyone's have to deal with. Evacuating the theaters, so that it can just, just, just poop, just diarrhea. It's runtime all over the cinema. I mean, I don't, it's, I don't think it's gonna be a flop, but I can't imagine it seeing its movie or money come like being made back. I think it, it has the potential to be a flop. Just mm-hmm. flop in financial just, terms, or. In... Yeah, I mean, well, it's if it doesn't make its money back, it's yeah. automatically a flop. Yeah, and the budget is just so high yeah. on this thing. And um, I think in the terms of of a quality flop too, like I, the first Avatar is barely memorable. It's it's the answer to a trivia question: What's the highest grossing movie of all time, not mm-hmm. adjusted for inflation? And it was you know your first real d 3d viewing experience that's what it was for me it was oh the movie came out in 3d and it wasn't the red blue anamorphic stereoscopic stereoscopic so i don't i don't know if it was (laughs) it just it's just big old fish eye lenses (laughs) in front of your face i guess it would uh it would be tuesday i think this this stuff started happening so i think it was either this weekend or like monday or some shit they did an early screening of Avatar The Way of the Water. We'll get back to follow-up in a, in a second. <laughs> this is Avatar Hour. Um, there are so many fucking people on Twitter giving their early screening reviews and hyping it up as the best movie they've seen since the second coming of Jesus. Hmm. Makes you wonder if maybe their agreement to do so is why they were able to see the movie or I, they... I yeah. think so. And there's like no bad reviews. There's like nobody was like, ah, the story was a little mid or like, you know, it was too long. 
They're just like, you're gonna shit yourself. It's so good, dude. Pride Rock. <laughs> like, like here, here. I read one. Um, James Cameron now has not two but three of the best sequels ever made. Avatar: The Way of the Water is incredible. The effects and action is yes, breathtaking. But it is the story this time that is the beating heart it's more personal complicated emotional wow it really soars and i'm like fuck off that's not true no you were not having that much fun watching this movie yeah i really have a hard time believing it but um a programming note uh this is 90s month and just like we did last year we will release a supplemental episode of the podcast that will be just the avatar way of the water review um we did this with no way home last year like i like i mentioned mm-hmm. it worked out well and uh we're gonna do it again because double review episodes not a thing i'm interested in doing anymore <laughs> nope. and, and we are not going to stray from the 90s no you can be sure of that you can be sure of that um yeah so we'll see if the way of water is downhill yeah um uh, under the water (laughs) you know the the other the other movie about water um black panther wakanda forever black panther water forever (laughs) uh it's made 737 million dollars worldwide which is like it's the domestic total (laughs) the first black panther yeah (laughs) <laughs> so not not as impactful yeah there was an article out this week about a rumor uh that their marvel is reassessing their phase five and six launch strategies huh. after quality concerns <laughs> wow. surrounding phase four projects it took them this long to realize? They brought Bob Iger back, man. <laughs> He's the one with the vision to see what's going on here. He said, what the fuck did you do to my house? There's shit everywhere. I'm stepping in She-Hulk everywhere I go. I leave <laughs> for two minutes. <laughs> and you come out with Moon Knight? <laughs> like, they, they really did do the equivalent of, like, call him in on a Saturday. Because <laughs> usually, like... I, I forget what it was a weekend, right? Because usually they fire when someone steps down, they do it on a Friday, so it doesn't fuck with the um, uh, stock the, the trading. Yeah, they they do yeah. it after market closes on Friday usually. Um, but this one was not that. I think that maybe it wasn't on the weekend, but it was like earlier in the week. It was, yeah, I read about it on Monday. Yeah, so it was. It really was like they called him. They're like, hey, we need. But in, in this instance, I think that was done intentionally because they wanted to raise the stock price. They figured that that announcement would be something that would give investors confidence. Mm-hmm. And he basically came in and said, right, that like, you, y'all have been losing money under the table. Yeah. And y'all haven't been telling me about it. Where's, where's my accounts? What have you done to them? What, look at how they massacred my boy. Um, so, yeah, I could see them re- reassessing all of this. Um, oh, we should talk about... Did we talk about Guardians Volume 3? Was that last week? Yes. Okay. I just... I, for some reason, I was thinking about the holiday special and how, like, that has... 
the holiday special has like you know that one kernel of important stuff to the the crossovers yeah so definitely watch the the holiday special for the next plot point maybe olaf's fro- <laughs> his frozen <laughs> adventure it's going to have the next Avengers in it. Yeah, I, um, I don't think that'll be a trend. I hope not. But um, they did also say they're going to be moving away from TV shows and more towards the longer specials, which is, I think, a smarter thing. So essentially, like maybe one or two episode little things that come out which might be better. Self-contained little might things. Might be. They'll figure it out. I, I don't know if necessarily the format is what's holding back these shows. Well, as long as they don't just like oversaturate it and like bombard us with specials here and there. Um, but I mean, right now they're bombarding us with TV shows in the form of weekly episode drops. And mm-hmm. that I don't think is great. But the last two specials, I guess, were received pretty well. Wolf, the one night in Werewolf or whatever, more than the. The Guardians. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Violent Night opened in second, making $13.45 million. But more importantly than any of that shit, finding itself in our spotlight. It's Violent Night, eh? It's got a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb. 72%. Which is higher than Fat Man. It is, by a lot, actually. Fat Man, Fat Man got massacred. We all liked Fat Man, but... Apparently, we were the only ones because Fat Man only has a 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 44% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 64% on Just Watch, whatever that is. Um, Violent Night is 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, but only a 55 on Metacritic. So, interesting, interesting uh, spread. Spread there. Uh, 6.2 audience score. But. We all know our our thoughts and feelings on professional reviewers and how they can't be trusted because Bob Iger is sliding into their DMs right now saying, hey, why don't you say something really nice about Avatar 2 on Twitter and we'll, and give, you, we'll give you a three-month of Disney+. Plus." <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not even that. They give them one free quick pass or fast pass. On the Pandora ride. They get to touch the mouse once. <laughs> Can I touch him anywhere? anywhere? Keep it above the waist. Keep it... Above the waist, below the ears. Do you, think, do you think that's what Kanye means? It's not Jews. It's it's actually the professional movie reviewers that control Hollywood. They're what's wrong with America. No, I think Hollywood controls them. I don't think they have any power in that relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like how, how mitochondria are like incorporated within the cell. You know, <laughs> reviewers, are, real reviewers, the powerhouse. Real reviewers, the yeah. But the, but the professional reviewers are the, the shady organization above that get their money I wanna, from Bob Iger. I would love to box. do an experiment where you kind of like went around and, and just asked random people in the street uh, whether or not they knew what the mitochondria was. And then whether or not they knew what they, what it does, because I'm sure a lot of people will say it's the powerhouse of the cell, but a lot of people probably don't know that's responsible for breaking down uh, ATP ATP. (laughs) or synthesizing ATP from glucose. 
<laughs> I'm just thinking of like, why did we learn that so hard? Like they taught that to us I, so hard. I don't think we did. I think that just got in. Ironically, it was it was viral, much like <laughs> mitochondrial DNA. <laughs> like we really like they really just said like our our bacteria ten billion years ago was really just like yeah we took this community mod. <laughs> It's part of our official tech stack now. We have this mitochondria thing. It's gonna generate a lot of power for us. We think it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be gonna be a good deal. Just like uh Hutchinser six three one four nine three six three five. Is that a phone number? <laughs> Call it. Did you, did they just dox themselves? Call it kinda tempted to. I think it's uh, it's one digit short from being a phone number. Oh, okay. So it's ten phone numbers then. <laughs> I suppose so. Um, ten out of ten. Violet Knight. Absolutely loved it. So ridiculous that it was awesome. There are very few movies that can be utterly ridiculous and know it, but still be fantastic. This is one of those movies. I laughed at things I shouldn't have, and I wasn't even a little bit embarrassed about it. If there is a real Santa, there will be a violent night too next Christmas. Thoroughly enjoyed this. David Harbour is easily the best Santa ever. McFoley and Shambles. <laughs> Oddly enough, as overboard as this flick is, you will genuinely feel things. Happiness, sadness, love and disdain. John Leguizamo was a great bad guy. And although some of the acting, the daughter's actor's boyfriend, was absolutely terrible, it fit perfectly. I'm definitely going to have to watch this again and just to see what I missed the first time round. This might be my new Christmas tradition movie. Two Christmas out of tradition. Two found that helpful. <laughs> nice. All right. From the depths of the one out of ten, I bring you Berry Berry. Burry Burry. I thought it was Burberry, uh, but it's just Burry. The official Burberry count. Yeah, mm -hmm. I thought it's just Burry Burry. <laughs> like the berry. Oh, fine. I'm going to shut up. One out of ten. Do, do, do. I thought that Black Adam was terrible. Ellipses. What a ridiculous, awful acting, nonsense movie that was. How this thing even got past quality control. Even dialogues were so badly written. This movie was a patchwork of scenes from famous action movies such as Die Hard 2, Home Alone, or even freaking Rambo Part 3. If this movie was supposed to be a parody, part three. it's still super bad in general. I can't find anything, literally anything good about this so-called movie. Movies like this only insult my intelligence and worst part cannot be unseen i really can't understand how low society has fallen to give this thing a solid seven note it is really awful movie 
very gently said, Avoid this crap at all costs. You have been warned. Eight out of nine. Uh, specifically Rambo 3. <laughs> specifically Rambo I wonder what scene they took out of Rambo 3 that was like inspiring them to put in this movie. And the, the, the list of cinematic references runs long. Mm, sure did. Um, I thought it was a collection of sins from other action movies. That's why I laughed. But it was scenes. That's that's decidedly less funny. Unfortunate. Um, what is more fortunate is we have our we have a Christmas treat. We've got a Christmas celebration. Oh, is it Ferguson Six? It is Ferguson Six. My oh, friends. oh boy! He has come to bless us. What 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 another, greetings uh, does he bring from the darkness? Well, he's got a seven out of ten review. Um, Santa's got a brand new bag. Baby. Greeting, greetings again from the darkness. Ho, ho, ho. Who is ready for the best ever Santa slasher movie? Admittedly, it's a narrow subgenre, and anyone knows that knows me or reads my reviews knows full well that this is not the type of movie I typically recommend. However, it's the season for charity, and director Tommy, Tommy Vircola, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters 2013, <laughs> sequel in the works, and co-writers Pat Casey and John Miller, the screenwriters behind the Sonic the Hedgehog films, have gifted us an extremely violent and often very funny Christmas present, replete with sledgehammer-slinging Santa Claus. We first meet an inebriated Santa, I'm on a break, at a local pub, where he explains to a mall Santa why he's become so disenchanted with the job. Greedy, self-centered kids who only want more video games. The booze numbs Santa's disgust as he heads off on his sleigh, and Viracola delivers the first shocking moment as Santa's barf keys us into the type of twisted tale we're about to experience. <sighs> David Harbour, best known for Stranger Things and Hellboy 2019, best forgotten, <laughs> is absolutely all in for this far-from-glamorous portrait of jolly old Saint Nick. On his rounds, Santa raids household liquor stashes while chomping on cookies and eschewing skim milk. He's a full-blown slob, yet still holds a soft spot for nice kids, while having little mercy for the naughty among us. Amogus? Uh, most of the story takes place at the Lightstone family compound, where one percenter Gertrude, Christmas vacation alum Beverly D'Angelo, is the foul-mouthed the foul-mouthed matriarch ruling over her entitled and unlikable family consisting of daughter Alva, Edie Patterson, and her airhead actor husband, Morgan, Cam... Cam... Gigandit? 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 I'll put it in the chat. All right. Show Papa what you got here. And their poser teenage son, Bert Alexander Elliott. Also present for the festive evening are Gertrude's son, Jason, Alex Hassel, his estranged wife, Linda, Alexis Louder, and their precious seven year old daughter, Trudy, Leah Brady. 
Santa arrives at the Lightstone Mansion not long before a team of mercenaries, led by Mr. Scrooge, John Leguizamo, storm the place and take the family members hostage. Their mission is to break into the family vault and abscond with $300 million in cash. That's an interesting thematic through line. <laughs> What follows is a demented mashup of Die Hard 1989, Home Alone 1990, Bad Santa 2003, and Thor 2011. Deadly weapons used here include your expected firearms, but also a finely honed candy cane, an icicle, a skating shoe, and a Christmas tree star, among other holiday items. Most prominent is the sledgehammer wielded by Santa, and the flashback to his pre-Santa days for an explanation. The violent action is plentiful, and it's well-balanced with countless lines of comedy. Surprisingly, there is a story nestled in amongst the mayhem, and the heart of it revolves around the bond between Santa and young Trudy. She's a true believer in him, and that overrides his uncertainty about the job and inspires him to stick around for the fight. Santa can't, ex can't explain the mystique of Christmas magic, but he does know an 1,100-year-old marriage has its ups and downs. Obviously, this is not one for the kiddos. It's a hard R rating, and they should be shielded from this Yuletide whoa, 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 yuck. Whoa, 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 I don't feel comfortable with you using a hard R. <laughs> Only soft days. Uh, soft days. Um, director Virkula has delivered an instant holiday classic for those seeking the bizarro world flicks contrasting to the more respectable family fare of It's a Wonderful Life and A Christmas Story. Who would have ever thought that Festivus might be the safer holiday. Opens in theaters on December 2nd, 2022. 42 out of 52. Not that helpful. Spoken As like, they should. Spoken like someone who's never done the feats of strength. All right. Nick Arthur. 58520. As a 10 out of 10 review. Simply titled Genius. Uh, warning spoilers. Pure modern-day evil chapter money. With no honor and extreme violence runs into Santa, an X-Hammer head-cracking Viking warrior before he became Santa. This is a vigilante wet dream. Lots of ludicrous parts. Tarantino-like violence and tender moments for a child. There was a deep moral message that no matter how tough you think you are it takes courage to be a kid in this life oh to be kind in this life santa's acting stole the show for me when he look when he took his shirt off and was caked in viking tattoos and the remnant of a warrior body could be seen through the flab it kind of had a believability santa burnt out relationship with mrs this is Santa finished <laughs> and drinking too much. This one last job like movie started slow, but built into riotous melee of violence and comedic lines. And the way it threaded in the saccharine coded cliches of Santa and naughty list was clever. Uh, you guys ready for the, the most shocking part of this review? Please. Yeah. Eight found that helpful. 100. Wow, batting a hundred. Batting a thousand, yeah. Sheesh. No, just a hundred. hundred percent. Never understood the batting thing. Fuck it. That's why I don't like baseball. That's it. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. 
Uh, Sidhart Cray. Sid, Sid the, the Cray. Sid the Cray. One out of ten. Okay. Worst movie ever. This is the most boring, uneventful, and lazy movie ever. It's like a Disney movie where the characters learn how to swear for the first time. Most predictable dialogues with extremely bad humor. Fight scenes were unnecessarily violent. Santa's backstory was random and never mentioned again. The plot was random itself and constantly changing the characters were so forgetful. It's the most cliche ending also with a stupid fight scene. There is no redeeming quality to this movie, and I hope no one suffers like I did watching it. I'm honestly proud of myself that I didn't walk out within the first hour. One out of 11 found it helpful. Fuck you, Sid the Cray. Bad movie. If you don't want to go see action movies, don't go see it. I mean, watch the trailer, dog. It's it's common sense. Just common type sense. Silly Billy. Finally, from Richard King Upper Hopton, we have uh, this 4 out of 10 review. Truly awful. Reading the other reviews makes me wonder if I walked into a different film. This was funny for about 5 minutes and quickly went downhill when the scene moved to the main house. The script felt it like, like it had been written by a 5-year-old. After about 30 minutes, my wife and I looked at each other and agreed we'd given it long enough. It's a long time since I've walked out on a movie. Reading the other reviews makes me wonder if I walked into a different film. This was funny for about five minutes and quickly went downhill when the scene moved to the main house. The script felt like it had been written by a five-year-old. After about 30 minutes, my wife and I looked at each other and agreed we'd given it long enough. It's a long time since I've walked out on a movie. 11 out of 29. It was more, but they only, uh, you know, when you like the first half. Right. Not not the second half. Uh, Didn't have us in the second half. All right. That's Violent Night. Strange World uh, falls from second to third, down 58.2%, bringing in a paltry $5 million over the weekend. It's only made $43 million worldwide. $43 million for a Walt Disney movie. Wow. Uh, Strength. Yeah. The menu is up a spot, actually, despite being down 36.6%. Uh, $3.4 million for that. Devotion um, had a rough second week. Um, it's been that long, hasn't it? Whatever. It made $2.7 million, down 53.8% from the previous week. Uh, all told, it's made $15 million worldwide. Oof, really? That few, huh? I was <laughs> one of maybe 20,000 people who've seen this movie, I guess. Ooh. Um, select few. Yeah. I Heard the Bells opened in the sixth with $2.1 million. It's a Fathom event. Another movie about Jesus. <laughs> it's like Jesus? we're in that time of year again. God. There's other holidays. Wait, you're talking about I Heard the Bells, right? Or wait, which one were we on? Shit. Oh, no, it's Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I just clicked on yeah. it and saw a cloaked figure. 
It's got to be Jesus. And assumed it was Jesus. That's on me, folks. There's probably a Jesus motif in there. Not far off. He might have something to do with Christmas. I don't know. He wrote a beloved Christmas carol. Mm-hmm. And, and then we put the Muppets in it. Made yeah. it all the better. Yeah. Black Adam uh, is in seventh. It's made 384 worldwide. So far, $1.56 million. Uh, yeah. Disappointing theatrical run is wrapping up here for Black Adam. The Fablemans is down a spot here in eighth, $1.269 million. Bones and all down a spot as well, $1.188. And uh, rounding out the top 10 is Ticket to Paradise in the seventh week with $854,000, down 54.1%. But fear not, folks, the quintessential quintuplets movie opened uh this week also and uh disappointingly did not make five hundred fifty five thousand five hundred fifty five dollars but did make five hundred thousand dollars so there's at least one five in the take with yeah with the per theater average yeah is uh five five though so there's there's not quite five fives but we're getting there but not enough to crack the top 10. Teenage tutor Futaro Uzagi has to finally choose between the five Nakano sisters who all have feelings for him at the school's upcoming cultural festival, the event that will lead to his wedding to one of them in a flash vote. I hope they, I hope they did it like Clue, where based on the region you're in, you get a different ending. Yeah, it's a different different quintup quintuplet yeah I, i'm telling you it's just you know that's the it's the ideal japanese relationship friends 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 <laughs> married well you should marry your friend that's right as Always. soon as you tell him you love him just right to it that's what i did yep all right that's that's the follow-up. Let's talk quickly gaming news. I did finish Miles Morales, but given the, the time we're on, I'll review it next week, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just get through some gaming news here. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is getting a Game of the Year edition uh, a couple years after <laughs> it came out. They've been um, hard at work. Yeah, they, they sure have. Um, following the release of its Phantom Library Liberty expa- expansion and another patch, troubled open world RPG Cyberpunk 2077 will be released in the Game of the Year edition. CD Projekt Red CEO Adam, I'm uh, not going to try that last name, told investors <laughs> during a recent call, as reported by Polish news site Stockwatch and spotted by Insider Gaming. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 GOTY edition is scheduled for a 2023 release. Um, although I, some people might uh, might mock it, being like, "Oh yeah, who gave them Game of the Year? They did win at least one Game of the Year award. Mine. <laughs> it's the only one that matters. It's true. It's the only one you should ever pay attention to. Um." And uh, yeah, so that's that's coming out. Look out for that. Um, the Game Awards were this past weekend. I don't remember who won anything. I think there was a there was a fan voting 
uh, war between Sonic Frontiers and Genshin Impact fandoms. Um, okay. So, uh, uh, what what award is this for? Up, uh, okay. The actually, I found the PC Gamer article. Awesome. Sonic Frontiers fans and Genshin Impact fans go to war over Game Awards vote. Um, update as of Tuesday, December 6th. Yesterday, it looked like Sonic Frontiers would easily win the 100% fan-voted Player's Voice Award at this year's Game Awards. Its lead vanished overnight, however, and it seemed what seemed like a really nice story about an enthusiastic fan base has taken a turn as I write. Lifelong internet enemies are being made. The current Player's Voice Awards voting results are no longer available on the Game Awards site. But at last check, Genshin Impact had leapt into a tie with Sonic Frontiers. Less voting data. To sp- well, let's let's see if that's still the case. You know, Sonic, like, they can't compete. They can't fight Mario anymore because just Sonic is a different fandom than it was in the 90s. Well, they need Mario and Sonic terrible. games took a rather large divergence. <laughs> it's true. Um... Player's voice. Let's see. View categories. View all candidates. View all categories. Game of the year. Um. It was not nominated. This is an interesting slate of nominations. They have a Plague okay. Tale Requiem. This is for Game of the Year, I guess. Okay. Uh, Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok. Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. That's a very okay. interesting that slate interesting. of games. Um, I don't think Stray belongs in Game of the Year conversations. Yeah, I it, it was really highly anticipated, and then once it came out, it seemed like people played it for like a day. Because the game's only four out. hours long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like there's just not that much content when you put that up next to Elden Ring, which I have to I have to imagine that gets that gets it. This yeah, year a lot of because a lot of people are are arguing over um, whether that or Thor Ragnarok should get it, and it caused people to like start review bombing Thor Ragnarok. Got to War Ragnarok. Um, yes. <laughs> Fucking. So that's a different. That's a different. Uh, Beam me up, Scotty. Beam. I'm cooked. Might as well just. Fucking crack open another cold one with the boys before Adam's yep. family. Uh, fuck me, God of War Ragnarok. Thank you. Um, but like, it doesn't even matter because I don't imagine like the Game Awards are tonight. Like the review bombing this this late, I don't think it would really cause much of a difference. I think. Other well, some of these have been awarded. Um, Christopher Judge already won Best Voice Performance. Um, yeah, for Kratos, right now. Marvel, best community support. Wait, hold on. Did I see Overwatch in there? Best community support. No. Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, and Nomansky. Well, Nomansky should win that on Runaway. That's right. It's, uh, it's, it's like five games at this point. Yeah. Innovation and accessibility. Why is that an award? That's an interesting award. Best VR slash AR <laughs> nominated as a Monk Us VR. <laughs> oh my god! 
I mean, that was a that was a big hit. Like I was, just, I think that was a comparable hit to when um, Among Us uh, first came out for, or when it when it first caught fire. Legends Arceus was nominated for best role playing. Oh. Elden Ring is also a nominee for best RPG. I don't... I, I don't see how like Elden Ring doesn't run away like sprint away in some of these categories. Like best narrative is going up against Ragnarok, Plague Tale, Forbidden West. Multiverses won best fighter over King of Fighters 15. Oof. 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 Shaggy's celebrating. Uh, best family, just just best family. <laughs> Apparently, Kirby in the Forgotten Land has the best family. It's got the best family. Uh, it's Kirby, best Sims strategy. Best oh. sports slash racing. Best multiplayer. I feel content bad for creator of the year. They lost against some random Marvel Snap game for mobile games. Oh, Marvel Snap has been snapping off. Bet, yeah, Dude, obviously it's I've the mobile it, game I've of the year. <laughs> so. How, yeah, what is, what is that game about? Is that like it's just like a card play? game? It's a mobile. It's a yeah, it's a mobile card game. I don't know if it's like autoplay, but I, I feel like I've I've heard it being talked about a lot. Yeah, or a uh, lot of word of mouth about it. Stray won best debut indie over Vampire Survivors, which I've heard really good things about. I'd like to buy. Oh, they have a best adaptation category now so video game movies and shows can have a shot at a reward here here are your legends okay. arcane league of legends uh, from netflix cyberpunk edge runners the cuphead show sonic the hedgehog 2 and uncharted well sonic the hedgehog 2 should win this in a runaway yeah even though um, netflix, um... arcane was fucking huge and asian people fucking buck wild about league of legends so um i i will note that like all of those except for sonic the hedgehog are netflix series uncharted wasn't a netflix series um except for uncharted okay i like uh, so i'm i imagine that netflix sponsored that category best esports game valorant won best esports game that's an interesting choice well, I don't know what the competition was there. Um, CSGO, Dota 2, League of Legends, and Rocket League. Okay. Yeah, in that case, if, if those were eligible, then yeah, that, that's a weird one to give it to Valorant. Cause like, so I didn't see the category that Genshin and, and Sonic were even nominated for, um, but apparently that's, that's a bitter rivalry. I'm going to guess Best Open World. Yeah. Announced ahead of the game awards was uh, Jedi Survivor. It's coming out, and um, the sequel to Fallen Order, which I will finish one day. Um, I'm not very far. <laughs> I think it's better, to, more accurate to say I will, I will concertedly start it one day. Wait, sequel to what? Uh, Jedi Fallen Order. That isn't coming Je- yet. Yes, it has. Jedi. Fallen Order has come out. Jedi Survivor was announced. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there was a Steam page leak that was deleted, but showed some some interesting information um, among some various pre-purchase bonuses that I don't care about. 
Um, it said there was a planned release date for March 16th of next year. Um, and it also on the page were some system specs. Um, the minimum Padawan would require a Windows 10 operating system, a processor that was four cores, cores and eight threads. Um, they, my DJ name is Minimum Padawan. <laughs> they cite specifically the 7700, i7 7700, and the Ryzen 5 1400, which is a old chip and not very strong. So uh, this will run on, on a lot of stuff. Uh, they want 8 gigs of RAM, 8 gigabytes of video RAM. They're recommending a pretty beefy GPU, especially for that um, processor requirement of a 1070 or 580. RX 580, not that those are super beefy, but compared to the CPU. Um, 130 gigabytes of storage. And the recommended master is a 4-core 8-thread 11600K or 5600X. 16 gigs of RAM, 8 gigabytes of VRAM on a 2070 or a 6700 XT. Um... DirectX 12, 130 gigs. So it doesn't look too bad in terms of uh, spec requirements, and it's coming out fairly soon. So if you enjoyed Fallen Order, which I may add up, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, you might be looking forward to this. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I I really liked Fallen Order. It was uh, very good. Uh, Sifu, nominated for Best Fighter. Um, even though it's a brawler, um, Kung Fu Brawler C3 is being turned into a live action movie, um, with the help of John Wick director, Derek Kolstad, as reported by Deadline, Soul Claps Beat-Em-Up has been picked up by brand new media company, Story Kitchen. Uh, this was co-founded by Sonic the Hedgehog producer, Dimitri M. Johnson and former APA partner, Mike Goldberg. Uh, Kolstad focused on world-building action and non-traditional intellectual properties. See-through will be the studio's first project. Um, so that should be interesting. Got some people with experience that could potentially make this a good movie. Uh, and lastly, Intel Arc graphics, uh, beta graphics drivers for Intel Arc uh, integrating the... Uh, instruction set from uh, Valve's Proton database for uh, DirectX translation into their drivers uh, has delivered 80% more performance in DirectX 9 games, uh, which is huge because one of the big problems with Arc so far has been its performance in older DirectX games sucks because it has a translation layer that I guess was pretty inefficient. Um... And by switching over or integrating technology from Proton, they've been able to increase DirectX performance, DirectX 9 performance dramatically, at least. Mm-hmm. So they're getting better. I, you know, it's hard, it's hard to recommend an art card right now, but I, if they're if, doing everything, they if can. you can, if you can afford both the the monetary aspect of it and like the willingness to be a beta tester um please consider buying an arc graphics card 
we need competition in the marketplace. Three companies making GPUs would be really good. Yep. And I, so I, I feel like if they had a sit or a, for them being up and coming, I feel like they would really benefit or would be a really cool idea if they like offered an upgrade path for you. Like if you're signing on to, if you're an early adopter of our cards, right. Um, the benefit that you'll get from us, like for you'll have the actual tech is like not going to be top of the line, cutting edge. Um, but you will, you will, we will grow with you or you can grow with us what? as we develop. I feel like they tried to make these cutting edge cards, like compete with NVIDIA on the high end, but they didn't quite make it there. So they priced them more as mid range cards. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a, that's a smart move and that's a fine move. Um, not, I maybe not kudos, but, um, good. You didn't make, you didn't make a dumb maneuver on that one. Yeah. But that's just my suspicion. I don't know that for sure. And who knows, maybe they, they, they'll figure it out in the next architecture and, and have huge performance leaps and be able to compete with AMD and NVIDIA. Uh, but yeah, they really only mention like with the discounts on uh, six thousand series RD or RDNA two cards in general. Um, the value proposition for Arc isn't great because you can get a better performing AMD card for less money. But again, it's important <laughs> that there be competition in the marketplace. So if you yeah if you are considering Arc. And I think Arc does have better ray tracing performance than AMD, um, especially in that price category. Uh, that might be important to you. But uh, I, I don't have a transition. We're, we're talking about the Adams Family now. <laughs> Adams Family 91. This is um, 90s Winter Part 1. I so full, So when choosing this movie, I, I saw and I was looking up... Um, course there are three adams family movies in the 90s um i figured we would for for future purposes i'll start with the first one even though everyone remembers adams family values as the the popular one um but we start with the first the first revival there um this move this was part of the uh the first wave of reboots the the 90s reboots yeah um dr doolittle another example mm-hmm. um yeah it uh i don't know if this was the first time i've seen this movie or just the first time in a really long time i've seen this movie mm-hmm. i couldn't i couldn't it tell <laughs> definitely was the first time for me um, I don't think I ever watched this movie as a kid. Um, although I feel like the character, like those actors as those characters, um, stand, you know, they're, they're kind of iconic, I would say, at least those portrayals. Cause like they stand out clear in my mind. Like obviously Raul Julia is, is Gomez Adams. Like I remember certain scenes or like, situations characters were in i'd see them i'd be like hey i kind of vaguely remember that in the recesses of my mind 
Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, circling back to what did I think of it? It's uh, it's not great. <laughs> it's it's certainly not of of the ways to adapt um, an old property or make the make the movie version of of an old cultural thing. Uh, we've we've watched a lot of them at this point, and there are it's this is not the most creative way to do it, but it's also not the most cliche. Um, I think its biggest downfall is that it's maybe too straightforward, right? It just yeah. it just plays what you expect. Yeah, which there's no like it's... subversion. There's no like smoking gun. There's no there's no movie not tropes like a... that they kind of throw throw in there. Well, nothing they have amnesia. Or... That's nothing big... novel, I guess. Uh, yeah, there's they introduce. Yeah, it's um. <laughs> It's got a pretty thin plot to be generous. Mm-hmm. Um, the the actors are it's got some pretty big name actors in it and they uh they all seem to be having a really good time. Um yeah. I won't necessarily say that they all brought like their best performances to the table, but they all seem to be having a lot of fun, which um, rubs off to a certain extent on the audience, but um, it's really the Adams family in general, and I guess you could kind of make the same argument for the monsters, but I will, I will stick my head in the sand because I will not say anything bad about that television show. It's really a yes. one joke premise, mm-hmm. and an hour and forty one minutes. It's an awfully long time to hear the same joke over and over. Everybody's again. got their own stick that they they stick to, and um, you know Wednesday is the the torturer, uh, glum kind of girl, and mm-hmm. Morticia's this very I don't, I don't the even mysterious, know, the mysterious, sexual... sultry lady of the manor. Yeah, yeah. and you know I, again I haven't seen. It's been a while since I've seen the Adams family. So like obviously I know that like that was that was the thing that everyone remarks on is like how how um loving the the relationship was. But watching the movie, holy shit, they took that they take they it to fucking eleven. So thirsty in this movie. Um and like, they are they are about to start doing it at at any moment. This is for kids. It's the nineties, man. <laughs> that was the pa- were, that was for the parents. Like I'm pretty sure that like there's so there's like the Walt scene. I I'm pretty sure at some point off screen that just went to swingers. They they just started swinging. I'd be surprised if they had pineapples upside down there. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's the uh, international sign for swingers. If you go to somebody's to house know. and they have a bunch of pineapples, upside how do you down, know that, Jake? It's a meme. Okay, sure. It's a meme, well, and it's also a real thing, um, and it's been spotted it's in like the a, wild. I'm just, I'm just wondering what your your connection to all this is. Just the internet, man. It it teaches people, changes people. You know, Jake's one second before one second you're looking at dance videos, the next thing you're learning the ins and outs of the swinger community. Cliches, yeah. what to to do's and what not to do's. 
Do you bring something never, over? You can never say this podcast wasn't educational. Yeah. You learn a lot. You do. Very little um, of it useful and even less things you want to know, but you'll yeah. learn them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I had known, uh, I was very confused in the beginning. Um, like, if the premise was supposed to be that, like, I guess, spoiler alert for a 30-year-old movie. Um, the premise was supposed to be that, like, it started off as this wasn't Uncle Fester, and he was just trying to, like, get in and, and, and break in and steal the money. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Have I been lied to? Like, is, is the yeah, Uncle was... Fester that I know from, like, the bits and pieces that I've seen, like, not actually Uncle Fester? I was like, what the fuck? And I'm like, is this guy just going to, like, live here afterwards because he likes it? And they're just going to, like, be okay with him not being Yeah, that was kind of, like, the weird thing is, like, I mean, I guess they kind of had to do what they did to reconcile that. But it mm-hmm. felt, like, really unearned. <laughs> yeah, although I will say... Like, just trying to consider it in in the context of the Adams family, I could definitely see that where they're just like talking about Uncle Fester. It's like, yeah, there was a period where he started. He was he was George, and he said he was said he wasn't Uncle Fester. He was just some guy. But you know, after a little lightning to the head, I mean, everything got better. Yeah. <laughs> you know that that definitely seems like one of those Adams family jokes. Which is also like it also you dig deeper into it, you're like, wait, so there's this lady who found him like washed up with amnesia and just took him in and started calling her calling him her son. Like that's a little fucked up. Uh what, you huh? never just found a baby and were like, Yeah, that's good. I'll take I this. usually don't pick up homeless men off the streets and be like, You're my child now. Like a pet. You know, that's what essentially what we do with dogs. We is just... that is that really what I feel like did they just mention that in like a line at the end of the movie? No, it was, it was towards the beginning of the movie. They kind of mentioned that she just like found him. Oh, so okay. they they do kind of set it up ever I, so slightly. Oh, I, that part. I totally missed that, and I had just assumed that like Gordon was just was actually her son and just happened to look like Uncle Fester. Yeah, I mean they 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 bring that up as like the conceit from their perspective like oh yeah your son looks a lot like the guy we can probably con them Mm -hmm. but as it they did slip that line in there um, okay so then like the cover story wasn't really a a big cover story as much (laughs) as it was like partially the truth well it's very Um, easy to miss the the line anyway and like you know in the beginning he doesn't have any memories of being Uncle Fester, so he is a, an imposter. That that is, I will say, that is one of my my criticisms of the movie is like, despite it being an hour and forty minutes, um, it feels rushed or it feels like there are parts missing. Well, I feel uh, like there are parts tacked on, like I, when they lose yeah. the house. That whole subplot that lasts all of like ten minutes and really doesn't produce any interesting gags or like see mm-hmm. memorable scenes. The, the, like the lemonade scene where it's like, yeah. oh, he drank the lemonade. Although I do like that joke, even though that was a, that's another criticism. Is like, I mean, it's a, I guess it's because it's a kids movie, but I could see these jokes coming from a mile away. Yeah. You know, where the Girl Scouts like, is it made from real lemons? It's all natural, no preservatives. It's like, yeah, I'll trade you for the Girl Scout cookies. 
Are they made with real Girl Scouts? Well, that's one that's yep, been yep, reposted yep, 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 yep. a lot. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's an oldie but a goodie. But again, like a lot of these jokes, you can like... That's how a lot of the, the jokes in this movie go. Yeah. Where it's like the very simple like setup of, you know, usually it's like setup of bad thing and then the Morticia or yeah, know, it's all Gomez just will be reversing like, the premise. Oh, that's so nice. Or yeah. it's actually this and that. Um, that's that's a like a good eighty yeah, percent, like ninety percent. An of example is, um, the lawyer's wife putting the son and like, oh, oh, I could just eat you up, and the Morticia's like, no, too young. Like that's that's all the humor is in this movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was witty at first, and I, I I like the the writing they did at first, and then it just was the same joke over and over again. Yeah, because it, it it really is just a one joke premise, and it kind of yeah it it wears thin after a while. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I I it's not. I could see a kid liking this movie. I could see a kid being really into this movie. And I could see teens, I could see some teens who see this and like immediately want to, this is, this is where I see a lot of goth kids getting, getting inspiration. They see this and they're like, these are, this is relationship goals. This is aesthetic goals. I want to look like Morticia. Yeah. My girlfriend, I guess used to. She told me when we, I was watching the movie that people in high school used to call her Morticia Adams, and her her ramble after that was like that was an insult. I would kill to be that beautiful. <laughs> Which is, I again, ironically, a very fucking Adams family thing to say. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, th- this was also I think definitely catered more towards uh, youth because it was definitely very over the top in a lot of scenes. Yeah. Um, it definitely feels like something that you'd watch when you're younger for the goofy appeal. And then when you're a teenager as that kind of nostalgia bait, then you watch nightmare on Elm street. So back <laughs> or you go, you either go nightmare on Elm street. If you're about actually being scared or you go nightmare before Christmas, if you're about the aesthetic. Oh yeah. Right. Um, those are that's the that's the split the evolution, right? Yeah. You have your base form goth, yeah, and then you give them a nightmare before Christmas stone or a nightmare on Elm Street. That explains stone. so much. I have so my friend, I'm pretty sure he watched the Nightmare Before Christmas, and his family diverted down to Disney, and they were big Disney heads. And then mm-hmm. I watched Nightmare on Elm Street, and I got introduced to shitty sci-fi movies by staying up late and uh, never gained the love and attention that I required to go to disney mm. so yeah you get i mean you get more special attack on the disney's and the disney path but the move set on the uh, on the horror movie path is a lot more favorable there's a lot more yeah the the a lot of the stronger attacks are are on the physical side it's just generally better um <laughs> yeah like well back in the 90s well i remember what i was gonna say back in the 90s this was a thing that that happened regularly you would have a summer movie a blockbuster if you will that was for the family um Mm -hmm. you you had this and you had i mean like recently it's minions but shit like rocky and bullwinkle and uh woody woodpecker yeah just like 
mountains and mountains of shitty adaptations of like mom and dad would remember this from their childhood. It's the same thing that's happening kind of now for for stuff like us at our age because we're the mom and dad now or that age at least. And it's like, oh, this is thing you'll remember from your childhood that you'll want to bring your kids to. We we just we're we just have to move that timetable back thirty years. So now you had a lot of shit Thankfully, from the sixties being remade into family movies. Oh shit. We should have which reminds me, I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. Um quick aside, that nineties show is coming out on Netflix. Yeah, it uh We'll see. We'll see what happens. It's not what I would want from that, though, because it's just a direct sequel to that '70s show. It doesn't really play much into the '90s aspect, or at least the trailer didn't show much of that. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, all the scenes you remember from that '70s show, the basement. Remember the basement? Remember Kitty? Remember Red? Um, remember when showing. Remember when talking about marijuana on TV was was a uh, taboo thing? Yeah, frowned upon. Like that that in itself is nostalgic, or like uh, is out of date. Yeah, it's like they couldn't even mention it. You had to just imply it. And for me, I'm just like, oh no, oh no. That's like that's like a bun in the oven type of like censorship. But um, it's kind of funny though, right? Because they they tried that '80s show, and they they took they took a different approach to that, where they tried to make mm-hmm. you know its own kind of like setting, right? And it didn't work. So maybe this is why they're like going, "Oh, sequel territory." Sure, that that works fine. But yeah, like it, plus it's, you get to have Kerwood Smith back on, and yeah, and it's kind um, of like the same Mary Jo Pell. Uh, I forget her name. Yeah, but um, it is. Uh, it's kind of the same like time juxtaposition that that we were just talking about, where in when that '70s show was popular, you know, the '70s were X number of years ago, and mm-hmm. now the '90s are that, that. Well, no, the '70s that '70s show was like early 2000s, so '70s were a little further in the rearview mirror than the '90s. <clears throat> right. I didn't realize. Um, or wait, shit! Glenn. No, they weren't. Fuck. Glenn Howerton was I'm in that old. 80s show. He was. I didn't know that 80s show was a thing. It fun. didn't last very long. <laughs> oh, fuck. They really tried and just didn't work. Um, <clears throat> this is all to say uh, that um, this is a, I mean, this was that kind of wave of nostalgia shows. And that was the main banking factor, even though, like, uh, it's. It's weird to say, but it's not as as subtle with its references as reboots are today, which is saying something because reboots today are not subtle with their references. Um, that it kind of helps that like there are they just didn't do any of the deep cuts. Like their references were just put every main character that people remember main main time on screen, let them do their thing. Um, I will say. Uh, that this is one of the uh, every every um, appearance of Raul Julia is a little gem to be savored. It's a little, it's a beautiful little morsel. Yeah, because, he was he was good because he's always taking it to he always took it to eleven. 
And, uh, you know, I was reading some trivia about the movie and about him, and uh, he cited Gomez Adams as his favorite role, and uh, especially later in his life near his death, he, he always appreciated, um, you know, all the, the kids that would write to him, I guess, because that's what he did back then, uh, yeah, about so how much they liked him. Yeah, so did Christina Ricci. She said Wednesday was one of her favorite uh, characters to play. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? She was like in all of these fucking movies in the 90s. She was in Casper. She was in, in the Adams Family. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was the time for it was and the, she's the in, spoopy time. She's got some role on Wednesday. Yeah, she is. Yeah, uh, which I guess role. that's a good segue. Jake, tell us how Wednesday is going. So I'm still about halfway through. Um, I, okay. Everyone was going gaga over it. Yeah, it's, is it that it's good? Stylized, it's stylized very well. The acting is very good. I think they do a really good job. Like, I think a lot of the pushback was like the making of the Adams family be more uh Hispanic but like the the Gomez in the original one was yeah. Hispanic and they were and literally calling each other you know she literally calls yeah, him it, it's it's not a big deal and he does a great job as Gomez uh, I forgot the actor's name Luis Guzman um, uh he's not in it that much um as far as I'm in right I, there's been, like, I'm assuming they're kind of a side there's been there's been like a thing. bit in the beginning and then they come back for like one full episode um but it's mostly focusing on Wednesday at like a boarding school, um, who basically just fucking goes to town on her best uh, Sherlock Holmes impression, uh, and she just is a big old detective. Uh, she just is a detective, and mm-hmm. she does it for nothing, none other than the truth and justice. Uh, so there's that weird like, you, you look at the reasoning why she's doing some of the things that she does, and it's just like. Out of the kindness of her heart, which she has no kindness. Yeah, it's it doesn't more like, seem very Wednesday to me. It's just it's just neutral, neutral. That's what it is. Um, she's she's true it's, neutral it's, out she there. She is true neutral, um, but I'm, with a sadistic kick to it because she has those moments where she'll say, you know, these pretty fucked up things about you know, poking needles in her eyes or, or you know, wanting mm-hmm. to scare you. There adds a little bit of a character element because, you know, how do you be friends with that? And how do you define a relationship around that? So I think it does a good job of, of tiptoeing around that subject while not breaking her character of that, like, neutral aspect of, like, disdain. That's That seems to be an important part of any of this media is, like, you can't hang the lampshade. Like, you can't acknowledge at any point. They just have to be kooky and you can't i right i yeah. don't because in this at least in the nine in the movie we watched this week right no one ever goes like no one really goes like y'all are weird this is weird you're freaks um like a li- kind of like a little bit yeah i well, think there are the, the pe- first <laughs> couple nights when he was still imposter fester yeah uh christopher lloyd had a few lines to that effect and i think the only reason why why uh, Tully Alford was like, "You're not freaks," is because he's been through this before and he knows how weird they are. So, I'm right. sure if we saw their first time meeting, they'd be like, "Oh God, like yeah. what? You want me to sword fight? Like that's wild." So they do a lot of like callbacks to the original Adam family, like having fencing be a part of it. Um, 
and and she doesn't do as much like torturing of Pugsley um in in Wednesday whereas this one her like their whole main stick was like Wednesday wanted to torture Pugsley right, they would all literally take, Pugsley's only role in this show they would take <laughs> turns uh tormenting each other mm-hmm. so that was um I'm not done with Wednesday. It's got a good story. Um, we'll see how it all ties together. It's not. It doesn't seem super convoluted. Um, there are some things you can see coming. There are some things you don't. Um, acting very good. Jenny Ortega's like her breakout role. Um, I don't know what else she was in, but this is like her main uh, role that she'll probably be known for for a while. It's like her Eleven from Stranger Things breakout mm-hmm. kind of Which, thing. Uh... When we, which also reminds me when you were talking about her doing like a detective shtick in this movie, I just immediately thought of Enola Holmes. And yeah, that's a yeah, that's a show. It's like it's like becoming its own like genre of like tiny girl detective. Like, hey, the, wouldn't it be funny if like oh. a little girl would walk up to a sheriff and be like, "Hey, I need you to run evidence on this." Like, you'd boss him around Who, instead of. You just reminded me. What was that? Um, what was that series of books for Harriet for young... the Spy? No. Oh. Was... You know what I'm talking about. The series well, Nancy like the... Drew? Nancy, Nancy Drew. Drew. Remember There's the all... Nancy Drew movie? Yeah. There's also another one where like the girl would solve mysteries with like taking photographic memories and she would always say click when she would run want to remember something. There's a book. I think that's I Harriet know. the Spy. All I can remember is, is that For some reason I just remember sure. that's I just think of that so Raven. Which what, can't wait till twenty, you know, twenty twenty seven to maybe twenty thirty two when they make the That's So Raven reboot movie. I never saw the show, but but it'll happen. Uh, yeah, Nancy, Nancy Drew in the hidden the hidden staircase. But uh, yeah, so far Wednesday's uh, worth the watch. I think they're a little bit longer episodes, um, but. Uh, it's if you like detective stuff, it's really leaning heavily into that and solving mysteries. So a little bit of Scooby-Doo gang kind of vibes right. to it, well, especially with the creepiness of it. Circling back to the movie we're reviewing. Um, yeah. I, it just, it, the, the plot is kind of lacking. Um, the, ju- the, the, I think like the big, like, there isn't a clear antagonist. I mean, there kind of is in that, the, the, like, yes, they're the anti- I, I get what you're saying, that the antagonist, there is an antagonist, but they don't do a lot yeah. until, like, the very end. And it's, it's things just kind of happen, largely. There's not a whole lot of third line. If I, if I could rewrite this movie, I would maybe focus it on something else or if you're going to do the thing with the, the their treasure maybe try to make it format more like a heist movie um but yeah i, I it it just it was kind of rough to to sit through because it just it was just a bunch of things happening and a lot of kind of like repetition in in the humor and uh it's also kind of hard to feel bad for the uh or feel like the the judge who uh conspires to kick them out of their house is in the wrong cuz uh 
the atmosphere was kind of a dick to him. <laughs> well, and, mm. and it, it seems like the golf ball through the window wasn't the only thing that they did. So Yeah. It, and even so, he like never offered more. to pay for the window. He's got all those fucking Spanish doubloons. Yeah. Nobody said, they say doubloons in this? Yeah. Yeah. Did they say doubloons? Good. More, more doubloons for me. Um, yeah, so the movie doesn't, yeah, the, the plot's a little, little threadbare because most of the things that happen are just the Adams family joke yeah. happening at multiple times. Um, it's a lot of sight gags. Not a lot of, yep, a lot of sight gags, um, which I should say the production value of this movie is fine. It's good. It's okay. Um, um except for the end. The, I, I, I'm going to get to the end. The end is bad, but also, uh, what's the hand called thing? thing yeah that was pretty rough like army of darkness with a far more modest budget pulled off better blue screening yeah um came out the same year as well yeah this was definitely a case of like he's the one character we have to do a special effect for and for some reason they figured we shouldn't invest a lot into that even though he's a pretty pivotal character yeah i feel they did a good job of like not having him in the movie too much so you didn't have to deal with it as much but like mm -hmm. it was pretty bad yeah there is again the hurricane like those... uh yes hurricane that was whatever that was the end, end which i wanted was... to get to for two reasons rough. yeah for two one the cgi was particularly bad there um which i think that's the same budgetary problems as the thing the stuff with the thing also um, it really does cement it as a true 90s movie in that there has to be at least one scene where there is just papers and shit blowing around the set. That is my, it's my hallmark of a 90s movie is like, how much random garbage did they put on the set? Yeah. Have, have rolling around. Special effects people in the 90s loved. They loved their set garbage. Well, you know... When mock, you don't have, when mock you don't it all have you want. CGI everything. Mock it all you yeah. want, but set dressing adds a lot to a movie. It makes it mm -hmm. feel like a real place. You know, I think movies today could could stand to to have a little more set dressing. Um, For sure. I mean, that's that was that made it was a really easy move to just add some add some texture to your scene when you couldn't just CGI in the whole background. Yeah. Now. Fuck, we shoot out in front of a green screen 90% of the movie. Um, yeah, so I, it's like, like I was saying, I, I could see where a kid would enjoy this movie and a parent could sit through it. Um, I don't really know that I would recommend another adult with no like nostalgic connection to this movie sit down and watch it because, like, the rewatch value on this one is not high. It's just a very meh. It's it's a lot like the you know, interestingly enough, it is kind of like the um animated Adams family that came out a couple years ago, where they just got a bunch of uh recognizable name actors and put them in their their family movie to try to get people to mm -hmm. out to the theater and they didn't have a lot of substance behind it. Right. And it just, the difference, the main difference was this is what a nineties style generic family 
movie adaptation looks like versus what a generic 2000 2020 uh, movie adaptation looks like. Yeah. So it's actually I that might actually be an interesting um, study for any for all you film buffs who want to fucking look at it um, to compare those two as like serving the same function in the culture but at different in different eras yeah. and how they achieve the same thing differently. Yeah, just um, interesting. So that's that's the end, family. It's it's uh, decidedly mid. Yep. Um, yeah. If you if you didn't watch it, I probably wouldn't recommend you watch it, um, just because there's better things to do with an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. Go watch if you want some Adam's Family. Go watch Wednesday. Yeah. Um, it's certainly. I think Adam's Family is a little more culturally relevant because um, of this and Adam's Family values being movies where they invested heavily in the cast. Um, mm-hmm. Monsters had movies that were, you know, on par quality wise, but they used the actors from the show. Um, not, you know, Christopher Lloyd coming off of wrapping up the Back to the Future trilogy and Raul Julia always being great and um the lady who played Morticia probably being in uh, something. Is it that Jessica Houston? Yes. Um she's in a bunch of Wes Anderson movies. Hmm. Royal Tannenbaums. Now, and, now, if Wes Anderson directed an Adams Family movie, I would. You know what? I Actually, would, I would watch that. Right? Because, because like, you know, it would it would work well. I think because there'd be a kooky element to the movie because Wes Anderson he's, he's a kooky guy. He's got a kooky, you know, uh, cinematographic Je- style. Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais kooky. Well, I, I can tell you exactly what it is. It's planometric composition in 90% of his shots. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's 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 the Adams Family and <laughs> completely shifting gears from this PG-rated family movie to a very, very much R-rated movie next week. We will be watching The Rock starring Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. It's the one Michael Bay movie that I will voluntarily watch. Um, it is the the masterpiece. Broken clock, right twice a day. Um, blind squirrel situation, probably a little more applicable here. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Rock 1996. I don't know that that's as widely available on uh, like streaming services. I happen to own it, so that's how we'll be watching it. Um, but yeah. Uh, come back next week for that Uh, until then that's going to be a wrap on episode 344 the first episode of 90s winter here on the Saturn studs podcast so um especially this month be well stay safe and party like it's 1995 peace bye-bye